You are listening to the Bombzilla Podcast. And this week, the news. The tape recording is for United World News, Chicago, USA. Well, here's your headline. I want full newspaper coverage, magazine stories, books. Well, I want it on the air 24 hours a day. This is our moment. Hey everybody, it's another edition of the uh, Bonzilla News uh, that we do sometimes here on the podcast. It's been a little bit of time since we've really had any news. It's been uh, some quiet times uh, as uh, Bond 25 has uh, been in production. We haven't really had much news uh, details on that just yet. Uh, and, and still no Kong, Godzilla vs. Kong trailer as the uh, kaiju community uh, is eagerly waiting, and it, is, it has become something of a... Uh, it, it, the waiting of the trailer, as many times waiting of a trailer has become... It has become a meme uh, within the, own, in yeah. the kaiju community, at least. So it is fun. Unfortunately, uh, we are not... We, we have uh, no information on that to talk about. I feel like... Um, yeah, but it's also, I was about to say, for the Godzilla side of things, we're basically just waiting on... You know the trailer for Kong versus Godzilla, as well as you know uh, any other news from the Toho side of things. Toho just continues to tweet out things, but I feel like, and I'll talk about this a little bit later. I feel like we're getting close to trailers for both of our both of our next projects. Yeah. I feel like. I well, feel we like were I, talking about the 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 creme de la creme would be if both trailers came out on, on the same day if oh, they you, dropped you, you know that that's like an emergency podcast at least like at least in the same week yeah. if it, if it came out in the same week it would uh, require a special uh episode of Bonzilla news but anyway yes you are absolutely right Bonzilla uh news where in terms of bond news tomorrow never dies and when it comes to Godzilla, well, it's Gojira, you moron. Yes. And uh, so we that's are your, here. I didn't want to take that line from no, you. No, no. I mean, you I know, may it's, have, it's, may it's been some time. I may have that that's exactly what you say. So <laughs> I was waiting for you to kind of be like, feel like it was weird. But but yes, we're back with some news. Uh, we do have a little bit of a backup. And also, of- I think we should say, uh, because it'll be the week that this is coming out, happy Halloween to everybody. Yes. Yeah. We, we It was hard to come up with a... Halloween centric episode this week, yeah, we, so we're giving you we're we're giving you a pretty healthy news episode yes. as, and we have stuff to talk about. So because yes. oh, uh, we've already done the villains, and you know, uh, we've already done monstrously bad movies. Uh, that's funny. That's was, good. That's was, a good one. I, I like tra- that. I, I was trying to maybe get we should have watched uh, the first episode of bon, of uh, James Bond Junior, but mm-hmm. maybe we'll we'll do that as another special edition. Maybe it'll be a Christmas treat for you all. Right, right, right. Um but we do have I have a little bit of backup up on news, some things that happened in previous weeks. Um but we do have some breaking in terms of our apartment Godzilla news. Yes, yeah. Well, it's not so much news as much as it's it's new things, uh new additions as it were. Just just some stuff I think that we can uh you know, there's not really any other venue for us to talk about, like some of the additions and other things going on in, in yeah. Godzilla news, because as we said, there's not, there hasn't been a trailer, hasn't really been any other uh, talks about it. Uh, so I was just going to take the opportunity to talk about some new additions to the collection, uh, as yeah. it were, um, real briefly. Um, and it's actually funny because this happened on the day 
of this announcement, I was able to go to a little shop called Dark Delicacies in Burbank, California, uh, in which I got to meet uh, the man who brought us the sounds of this year's Godzilla King of the Monsters uh, with a composer, Bear McCreary, was uh, doing a little bit of a, a signing uh, and fan meet and greet uh, at the shop Dark Delicacies, which is a nice shop everybody should check out. If you're if you're in L.A. And, um yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like what else are they gonna do skype in <laughs> they're gonna like oh if you could skype in to dark delicacies um which i'm sure well, we i'm do, sure we that... have a listener base outside like as much as we joke we have built a listener base that is outside of our little friend circle of la so. that's true that's true i should i should be uh less um less uh Less of a, less about, about, Western about uh, about uh, my less, less of a Hollywood ego. Yeah, so, uh, every, sorry. Like, L.A. is the center of the universe. Huh, just boy? you know, do, I, I've just become I've become what I've hated. I've become an L.A. podcaster, just thinking in my own little L.A. podcasting bubble. But yeah. so my apologies. If you would like to come out to Dark Delicacies, uh, fly out. Yes. Do that. Or they could take a boat. Yeah, they could take a boat, depending on what side of the planet yeah, if they're, you're on. If they're in Japan, yeah. they can take a boat over to LA. Yeah. Come in through Burbank Airport, though. Don't go through LAX. If you're flying, not yeah. if you're in a boat. Yeah. You can't come through the airport if you're you in a boat. You can't do it. <laughs> um, but anyway, yes, uh, went there. Uh, and uh, I, had, I had seen uh, Bear McCreary talk at Comic-Con, which I've talked about on the podcast, but mm-hmm. super nice guy. But uh, uh, purchased... Uh, my first ever ever vinyl record. Uh, Nick is now a collector of such. Uh, I have bought my first uh, with the Godzilla King of the Monsters soundtrack. Um, really cool set. Nice artwork. Uh, three, what do you call them? Three records? Is that the three proper discs, term? Three, three discs. Yeah, they are. It's still, still vinyl discs. Yeah, so three three discs. Um, uh, each uh, kind of have the cool uh, coloring uh, with, uh, depending on the monster, Ghidorah, Mothra, and Rodan. Um, and uh, so, which are the pretty much in the marketing were the three primary colors of yellow, blue, and red. Um, got it signed by Mr. McCreary himself. Yeah. And uh, so that, that was a nice little meet so that's a new addition yeah. uh, to, just, to just, the uh, collection. Yeah, it's, it was very cool to see. Uh, I'm Yes, I did tweet this out as well today, um, but I also have two Bond records yes. in my collection that's as well. That's true. Uh, I have the records for uh, for Your Eyes Only um, and uh, John Barry's final score for the Bond franchise, which was The Living Daylights. Uh, Living Daylights I bought because, obviously, I'm a big fan of the movie and... I thought it would be neat to have. Uh, for your eyes only, I've also become a very big fan of that movie, and I've very been interested in the soundtrack, which mm-hmm. th- the soundtracks of Bond films might be something we'll talk about uh, in one of the coming months, so keep an eye out for that. But yeah. I, I am. Uh, what is funny, though, I will say this before you move on to your other thing, is that I, got, uh, I visited a record store recommended by a friend of the podcast, Patrick, and... Uh, at the store, I was looking specifically, you know, I'm looking for many Disney records. That's what I kind of mainly collect, but I've kind of been all over the place. But it was kind of funny that I uh, I had found a Goldfinger record, and I had taken that out. And then as soon as I flipped over to the next record, it was The Living Daylights. And I was oh, like, oh, that's funny. Repeat, place, and repeat. So yeah, Goldfinger, uh, Goldfinger is definitely one. Uh, Bond records I would like to get are Goldfinger, uh, Spy Who Loved Me, and um, also... Sorry. Uh, also, I would like to get a record of um, Moonraker. Yeah, that's what the one I was saying. Yeah, um, <laughs> sure. 
You yeah. sure about that? Because <laughs> well, yeah, the thing about the like old school records, which is what I'm collecting, is like there's very much a distinct period of like really the easy ones to get are between like the end of the 50s and like the 80s because obviously everything after the 80s you start getting cassettes and CDs like there's not really like a gold on golden eye vinyl yeah or at least like not like original one which is kind of like what I like to get but. yeah I know there's there's ones for 1954 uh Godzilla that I do definitely want to would get that one and definitely something from the Hazy era I would like to get um Though it would be fun to get one of those jazzy like June Fukuda movies, like yeah. the, like those Abira scores. Like I would I would love to get one of those on vinyl. That that'd be that'd be really awesome. But we do have another big addition. Yeah. To the so Godzilla okay. Collection. So in terms of Godzilla collection, uh, in the mail, uh, finally came as it was released the Criterion collection of the Godzilla Showa uh, era. Uh, from 1954 to 1975, uh, I believe, four or five, um, all the way from uh, original Gojira to Godzilla against Mecha, Go- not against Mecha Godzilla, the terror of Mecha Godzilla. Um, so yeah, so that finally came in the mail. Um, and I don't think I've ever been able to really talk about it. I think we talked about it off mic a little bit about the actual set itself. Now, we had talked about uh, the release of this, I think, all the way back. Uh, during Comic Con, it was right after Comic Con, right was where they the announced official, it. The official announcement was released, like like not at Comic Con, but like the week after. And I believe this is like also like an anniversary release for Criterion as well. It's, like it's it, like it's like a milestone. Yeah, it's, it's like a milestone. Of, release. It's a milestone release for them, uh, and obviously it's pushed together the the show at yeah. collection for the really the first time because we've talked about it also on this podcast that getting some of those show era movies wasn't the easiest thing in the world yeah and, and it's also interesting because like there has been a certain love for the showa era and you know it's to be expected given that godzilla's kind of had this like kind of a little bit of a cultural resurgence uh like t- uh w- w- the channel um uh, uh I'm, I'm losing it uh tcm is yeah, it the, yeah the, classic movie yeah sorry t yeah so t- uh, tcm um has been kind of doing their little kind of like retrospective history on it and there's like kind of like you can look at that at social media and then if you actually you know watch the channel tcm is good yeah no it is it's definitely great they do Um, some disney collections that like uh that they that they do very well and and the godzilla ones have been really fun yeah as well. I, I found some quite quite a few gems uh, and it's always nice to get they do the little history of it mm-hmm. so it kind of gives you a little bit of context to what you're watching in a, in a very fun way um so uh with all that said like it, it's just kind of interesting that the showa era has been given that love um so uh yeah we had talked about it and so, uh, it, so it has come in the mail, and it is now part of the collection now. So I thought I'd do kind of like a brief review of it. Um, I haven't been able to actually look at any of the films yet, um, but just kind of it as a Godzilla to in, incorporate in a collection. So I am, I am trying to get pushed that Megalon should be the first. Yes. Movie oh, I yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I mean, like some of the rewatches, I definitely want to do right off the bat, or Megalon just to see the blu-ray transfer and everything but i kind of do want to go back and watch some of the one like i i kind of do want to watch that godzilla raids again and mothra versus godzilla only you know the movies that i don't i know i don't love as much but just because it's been quite some time yeah, since, since i had to rewatch of, it yeah the podcast. um so it, so a brief review of it so i think what was so i'm trying to go forward on this very delicately because I want to say that the entire display and presentation of the whole thing is I very much approve of. I think it's awesome that there's the Showa era series that they were, that they were able to, um, 
not only get together under one roof with uh, yeah. in the, the Criterion Collection. And especially having to go to Universal to get the King Kong right. Godzilla rights as well. So, you know, so that's really cool. And um, there is a plethora of... Um, it's an eight-disc set um, with uh, seven of the discs being the actual movies, and there's one disc full of supplemental material itself. Um, and the movies themselves have, like, you know, their own, uh, you know, special features and everything. There's... The fact that like that the Criterion Collection, known for being the Criterion Collection, would do such a like a yeah. uh, um, a release as this is very much like right up my alley. And the fact that they do this uh, packaging with it, with um, you know, essentially what it is, and I should say this, it is a giant, slightly over a foot booklet. Of like essentially, it's a coffee table book. It, I mean, it really is. And I will say that now with enthusiasm to prepare for maybe a different feeling I have about it. But essentially, it's a coffee table book, multi-page. Each one has those awesome, uh, you know, fan art um, posters for each movie that make even the worst of the movies look like better movies. We talked about how All Monsters Attack, if you just look at the art for that movie in that in this Criterion collection, it makes it look like much more of a legit movie than it actually is. Yeah. Uh, and then each page has like all like the stats of the movie, like, you know, all like you know, the cast and crew of the movie, and then also a little description and history of the movie. It, the entire collection display and the release of it is... You know, I, I'm very happy that they went ahead and did it. Now, I will say this about it, and I'll be just to be honest and candid about it, because yeah. you know, as we've that, said, when we've not been honest and that's candid, that's true. And on I this think, podcast. and I think our fans like when when we are. Yeah, I have a mostly love but petty hate relationship with this release. Yeah, and I think this came out with. Before this officially got a physical release, there were some early pictures of what it would look like. And one of the first things that people noticed was, oh, it is a huge coffee table booklet. And I was not the only one. If you look at the social media reaction, that there was a lot of people who were like, wait a minute, that is enormous. That is huge. We did not know it was going to be that big. By the way, before I continue, I understand that this is the most first world problem you can get. I understand that. But we're also talking about, you know, Godzilla and James Bond movies. So allow me my little movie nerddom a little bit. So anyway, with that said, so a lot of people, if you look at all the reactions, were like, that is super big. Like, how am I going to store that? Like, we were not expecting it to be that big. There was a certain subsect of people who were like, well, no, I mean, this is kind of what they were advertising. Like, what are you talking? And then most of us, including myself, were like, wait, what are you talking about? You go back and you look at those early images of the open booklet itself. Because what we were kind of assuming is that it would be like your standard box set size at most. Is that it would be kind of like the size, maybe like a little bit bigger the size of a Blu-ray case and then thicker to be like an actual booklet or something like that. And it would just be like piles of like, you know, or not, not necessarily the piles, but like the ones where it's like, you know, three different like sections of Blu-rays. Right, exactly. So... Then we so then that information comes out and they said, well, no, take a look at the actual promotional pictures. And then if you look at the promotional pictures, it's opened up on like a big art piece of Godzilla. And to be fair, it does show a booklet with the three discs or three or four discs on each side in a movie. And if you basically if you pile up like three Blu-ray discs, it you know, it would be that big. It would be the size of a coffee table book. It was just 
I think what a lot of people like myself, it's like when you re- like it, it took me squinting my eyes because to me, I just saw the art and I saw yeah. like, oh, it's like that's the art of the book. And then you really squint your eyes and look at it. It's like, oh, no, the the, the Blu-rays are in there. Yeah. So, again, I understand very petty issue. And that's why I say mostly love and petty hate relationship with it. But I, I will say a little bit because while I do appreciate and I think it's amazing and the sentiment of them making a display like that, there's a little bit of maybe it's because I'm a little bit more sensitive to maintaining the physical media collection uh collectability of these things so i i'm a, i get a little bit defensive when it makes that aspect harder because yeah. you know nigga has been seeing in like you know my movie collection i i am finding it's very hard for me to dis- just put this somewhere like i it would be different if it was like a book like a like like yeah. just a coffee table book, and I would just put it either like on the coffee table. But this is holding my Blu-rays. Like this is holding my movies. I just don't want to throw it on the table and then treat it as a book. I want to put it with my other with my other things. Yeah. Um. So so and the thing about it though is like it also would be different if it like the thing about it, and I admit this too because I actually thought it would easily fit on one of our shelves, like our bookshelves, and it doesn't. No, it's 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 just a bit too big for all the bookshelves we have. Yeah, because I think it. And would, then and then I all... could I could change I could change it, but we have like kind of like a wiring lighting setup that it, yeah. it it's a it's a very it's much more involved because thing. it would be different if you could just slide it into like a bookshelf. Sure. Yeah. And it wouldn't you know it would be fine, but the fact that it's just like slightly too big to what we have set up, I can understand it being a little bit of an annoyance. Yeah, and then and then it's a little bit again petty for me because even if I did do that now, I kind of wanted to put it with my other Godzilla stuff and now I got to find a different place for it and I was going to do a thing where I was going to like put them all on Blu-ray cases but the movies are cuz it, it the mo- the Blu-rays are doubled up so yeah. uh each movie is like there's two movies on each disc which is fine but some of the discs have three movies on there so it kind of makes it a little bit uh, my plans on how to figure out how to display these things is, is a little bit thrown. So I, this is not to like really complain about it as much. This is just to give kind of like my full review on it. And and the mm-hmm. only reason I say that though is because you know I I want to give the ninety percent credit that I think it's amazing the Criterion was able. And ultimately at the end of the day, this is a win I mm-hmm. think. And I want to make that clear yep. that they were able to make a collection where we can I can have Blu-rays of all of these movies yep. and I can watch them at my disposal. But part of this process is also to if they're going to put them all under roof and do this physical media release, is that you got to have to consider a little bit about you know physical release and media storage as as well so you know nick and i have a running gag where you know one of our uh not so favorite movies uh it keeps on being threatened on us is the amazing spider-man 2 uh which which comes in an infamous blu-ray case right yeah there's an infamous blu-ray case where it is jamie fox as electro the blu-ray case is his head it's his head it's like a bust of jamie fox's and then, like, head the as blu-rays, electro it's not even like a bust opens like the blu-rays like slide out right yeah now my thing is like okay fine whatever but it, it's that is the physical media release version of people complaining of like movie like like uh, movie theater companies and vendors doing like weird like multi-screen like viewings to like try to like entice the the people coming to the theater. It's like no, I don't need like your newfangled ideas of yeah. physical media release. Just like make it 
cool but palatable to yeah. me because part there of the was, physical media release is involved in this whole restoration and uh, archive nature of film. So I just think that was something that I think that they could have if, – if I'm just reviewing the set itself yeah. – which again, passing grade ninety percent. I would say that is my only complaint yeah. about it. I mean, it's like you, you can say safely that at least it's not a giant Godzilla head. Yes, from, yeah. <laughs> uh, because there was that point, like it from like two thousand ten to really like a couple years ago, like really about maybe twenty fifteen, where there was the peak like weird Blu Ray releases, right? Like the weird like collectors editions. Now I feel like it's, they've kind of parred back on that a little bit. Where they're like, unless it's like a big thing, it really just comes in a regular old Blu-ray set. Mm. But, you know, um, it still is really cool. And I'm very curious to see kind of how the transfers come out. Um, I was just thinking now, I mean, obviously Megalon, I guess, want to kind of see Jet Jaguar and Elves HD Glory. Mm -hmm. But I do want to also see the greatest moment in Godzilla history (laughs) and that transfer, which is Godzilla uh, flying in uh, Hedorah. Hedorah, yeah. And... Am am I morbidly curious enough to see how all monsters attack looks in a Blu-ray setting? Am I morbidly curious to 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 shift through that movie and see Ichiro bullying all those other kids? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no. I mean, listen. I mean, the the whole thing the whole thing is great. I I think that and and I should say like that is just for me saying like what I kind of. And I and I still think to this day it was not made specifically clear exactly that's what it was going to be. I think that there need for all the people who are like, well, this is what they advertise from the. I think you need to have a little bit of sympathy that we thought that it was going to be a more like, uh, you know, a more seamless uh physical media release. Yeah. I I think that but that is to be fair. But and, I mean, and but it, and it really at the end of the day, it is super cool that like the Showa era, which are a bunch of these movies that are, you know, n- again, not that easy to find sometimes. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the lengths you had to go to, to get stuff like all monsters attack. And, sure. And, sure. And, and, you know, listen, I'm not trying to bite the hand that fed me. It's just cause I think like, because the book itself, I yeah. should say very well done. Oh, yeah. Very awesome. I think it's a great, like, I, I think it's a great display. Yeah. I, I really do. Yeah. And it, I think it's really neat to have that all under one yeah. roof. So honest review of, uh, the re- release, uh, but very glad I have it. Very excited. I have it. And, um, I have that. I have vinyls. Um, it's a good time to be a Godzilla fan. So anyway, back, to news nick we've got a lot of bonzilla news some of which you kind of told me about some of the stuff we were going to talk about today um we that i didn't know about we inch ever closer to bond 25 correct no time to die yeah Uh, but before that before we get to that news about bond uh 25 uh we do have some other smaller bits that i thought would be interesting to discuss yes uh, so first thing um, is that Pinewood Studios uh, is undergoing a expansion, um, and they have announced that two of the new roads that will be part of this expansion uh, of Pinewood Studios are going to be uh, named after different aspects of James Bond. Because obviously Pinewood Studios right now has the Cubby Broccoli, the Albert R. Broccoli 007 stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're also going to be uh, introducing Michael G. Wilson Road. Michael G. Wilson being one of the two mainline producers now in the franchise, including uh, Barbara Broccoli. Um, and then Skyfall Avenue uh, to help uh, showcase what is currently the most successful Bond movie ever made in Skyfall. So I thought that was pretty neat that the Bond, That's pretty cool. the Bond legacy at uh, Pinewood Studios um, 
does uh, continue to to fruition. And and even though there was that rocky history in the middle when they couldn't use Pinewood for a couple years based on budgeting concerns and timing, uh, that that I mean Pinewood just as you know Pinewood you know Star Wars helped make Pinewood is Bond helped make Pinewood and and make it the studio that it is today as one of the premier you know films production studios in the UK where a lot of work still gets done to this day. I mean, you know, it's hard. It's, it's not a, not a major movie goes by without like some work at Pinewood. It mm-hmm. seems like these days. So, uh, to have more bond legacy within the Pinewood walls, I think is, is pretty cool. Yeah. That, that is awesome because it is one of those things where like it, at this point, at least for my reference point with Pinewood studios, that bond has almost become like, you know, hand in hand with, yes. with Pinewood. Yes. Like, you know, even more so because like with a lot of the other major ones, because Star Wars does a lot of stuff there yes. as well. Mm-hmm. But like Star Wars is one of those things is just because I just know that Star Wars shoots there, yeah. especially now. Whereas like I just feel like there's more of the, like I just for, I I just look at it from my perspective that there's, there's a legacy between Pinewood and Bond. Yeah, and, and, it, and you know part of that rocky history is part of the legacy as well. Mm-hmm. So even if there was a and, minute where they you know, weren't they, doing it, that was like they've had sta- the 007 stage has burned down twice, right? And and they you know they built the fall. Well, it's also like I mean not only that like you know we talk about them building the volcano set, but you got to remember too that that 007 stage was built to house that massive tanker set for mm-hmm. a spy who loved me. And it was an agreement with like broccoli, Eon and Pinewood all agreeing that they would, you know, co co finance this big expansion mm-hmm. uh, of Pinewood, which was, again, this was the seventies, late seventies. So this was a big deal for them to, to get that type of big stage uh, that they could house more productions in. So it's really like the Bond franchise has only helped Pinewood to grow, literally. Right. Uh, so, again, just kind of that legacy continuing on. And and uh, it's interesting, like, Michael G. Wilson definitely deserves, you know, some credit for all that he's done and, and, and with the Bond franchise since, you know, he's taken over with GoldenEye. Um, and Skyfall being as massive of a, and, an iconic a film as it is, um, I think deserves, you know, the, the spots yeah absolutely uh so next up was another little bit of interesting news uh that kind of dropped out this week mm-hmm. was um uh naomi harris yeah yeah uh, discussing uh the possibility of a money penny spinoff yeah. movie. now naomi harris has been in, in the in the news cycle for a couple different things like i mean because she did, did she just have something that came out. I feel like I should have known this, like going into it. But there was another piece of news that she was going to be in something. Mm. That I don't know exactly. Okay. Well, you look. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, so basically, um, she's doing some rounds for a new cop movie that she's in, Black and Blue. That's it. Well, yeah. th- th- that's what it was. Why, okay, wait. Why wouldn't you say that? Why no, did you make because me you said you made it sound like she was announced for another big franchise. No, but thing. I was saying like there was a reason she was in the news. Like it was. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I this was just a misunderstanding. Okay. All right. Go meant. on. That was funny. That I, was. Just, I thought you were like oh she was like. In like another Men in Black reboot, I don't know whatever happens in Hollywood these days. Right? Uh-huh. So she's doing rounds for this movie that she's in, uh, and earlier in the week she talked to uh, the website Coming Soon, um, and she had um, they were discussing Money Penny and um, 
you know, they kind of ask her one of those weird interview questions of like, oh, like Lashana Lynch is the new 007. Why isn't Money Penny the new 007? And she's like, first of all, like I'm retired from field work that was established in Skyfall. <laughs> um, but she said, uh, but in addition to that, she revealed, uh, and this is a direct quote from her. Uh, she said, actually, Barry Jenkins, the director of Moonlight, uh, has always talked to me about doing a Money Penny spinoff. So maybe uh, we'll see what happens. Um, so she left it off and it was kind of the big news about that was that Barry Jenkins is, you know, director of this Oscar winning movie, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, big time, you know, African American director was interested in doing something with Moneypenny. Uh, so there were some discussions about that. Uh, but then later in the week on Good Morning America, she was asked about that interview and she revealed further that Jenkins actually had pitched to Barbara Broccoli, the Moneypenny movie. But money, money, but Barbara Broccoli, uh, quote, wasn't so down for that. Mm. Um, and uh, but maybe one day, who knows? Uh, the conversation has started at least, and we're continuing it here. So, I okay. Um, yeah, th- this movie's not happening. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, well, I would say this because yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, but like you know, there's been rumors that Barbara wants to do a cinematic universe, and why not sure. use Naomi Harris? Why not use this money buddy character? My thing about this, as interesting as it would be, is that I think it's pretty clear that they're gearing up for the Craig era. The Craig universe ends with No Time to Die. And then if we want to do a cinematic universe or if we want to do things with spinoffs, it's going to come when we get this fresh new Bond. Mm -hmm. I feel like... I feel like as much as, you know, I think like, you know, you have a direct, an interesting director and a, and a star who's willing to go, but I don't know if they're, if Barbara's really chomping at the chance of like, well, we are setting up this ending for Craig and then right. we're going to do like no, another that, new movie. No, that's definitely a, a better like if point this, of view of looking at it. Like if this was like around Skyfall or even like right after Spectre yeah. and then like you had that, you know, we had that big gap of four years, maybe you put something into production while you're trying to figure out what you're doing with Craig. But really, it's at the end of the day, like, you're not going to do this other spinoff series and then reboot Bond again. Like, it's just really, like, if they're going to do anything more with these other characters, which, again, it is, it's been rumored for a while that Barbara's looking at that aspect. You're right. Uh, because Bond has always been a responder to, you know, the trends in cinema. That has been something that they've been known to do. But it's like, you're not going to do it with with the with the bond characters because this is also the interesting aspect of we really haven't had like a smooth transition in this way where you know in the past bonds in like you know the the connery and the Moore era you could just get away with you know lois maxwell coming back and robert brown and you know all these you know the your q's and your m's and just like kind of transferring between bonds but i don't know if you can get away with that now so i think that they're going to want a clean sweep of like everything mm-hmm. is going to be new once Craig steps down. No, that, that's definitely a better way of looking at it than I think I was looking at it. I mean, I should say it from this point of view. I think it, it's it's more so that I, I will say a couple different things. I do 100% believe that that was in the cards from a developmental point of view. Yeah. Because for those of you who don't know, when a project is in development, that could mean that they're kind of like hired somebody to kind of like do a draft of the script or like... Or an outline. Yeah, or, or like an outline. Or like, come in for like a like a basic like a pitch or two and... Yeah. 
Like, definitely, like, the thing about, like, development. Development, for those of you who don't know, doesn't necessarily mean, like, oh, the movie's in a serious state of being made. It could just be, like, it's on the docket of meetings that you would go over yeah. through, like, you know, it is de- it's on the... It's it's on the docket is I think what you say it's in the rolodex of things but the rolodex of things could be like oh like um oh by the way at two p.m. we have a meeting with this per with uh this writer and then we'll talk about any of the potential ideas and one of them is the money penny thing yeah. it's like oh oh by the way like we we may we don't know that we 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 want to do this but like we're kind of thinking about it what do you think like it could be something yeah. as simple as that and it could honestly when you talk about development it could die right there yeah. <laughs> like, so that that's how that is but i do 100 percent believe because there was that sense i think that they were giving a little bit more of a reinvention and a little bit more of a spotlight to characters like that. Like the whole money penny being reinvented in that way, there was definitely more of a spotlight on yeah. her. Yeah. The the thing I would say though is that, you know, by the time we moved from Skyfall to Spectre, now that we have Spectre under our belts, there's just no way. Like the fact that Barbara Broccoli like kind of shot down that idea yeah. is very telling because yeah. and not to say anything bad about the character i think that they've actually like the way that they've done this money penny character is actually you know i i dig but i don't get the sense that any of the movies has that on their mind especially like once we now that we have specter yeah. the fact that the this bond series spinning off in any direction it just doesn't seem like it's in the dna of anything because even when you look at specter like what character what have they done with any of those characters that they could spin off of yeah like now i could foresee and i haven't seen the movie yet but just kind of the rumors we hear i would foresee and even kind of encourage like you know maybe this lashana lynch character is something that they could spin off of as well like at least i could get that like when you look at a character and i know we've joked about it like jinx that character is presented in a way that you could spin that character off yeah, and even like you know even earlier than that when they were talking about the michelle yell stuff like even if it wasn't intentional for that there's still like enough of that character there where and enough of her own world where you can see that or it's like i do agree that like i think especially i mean listen in movies in creativity you can be as creative as you want right. and there's certainly a money penny movie to be made with that interpretation um especially if you have a director like you know Barry Jenkins on board but again I do think it's just too late for that no to happen. it's like but I do and, foresee and, and, like yeah. when when they bring in money penny like if it was just a money penny like how we know money penny then of course like there's not going to be a spinoff yeah but you could just foresee that when they bring in money penny it's like listen we're bringing Naomi we're bringing in money penny but we're reinventing money penny like she's somebody who was out in the field with Bond you would be crazy not to at least consider mm-hmm. the fact that like yeah. maybe there's a money penny movie into this. But again, after Skyfall comes out and then now that we have Spectre, it's like clearly that's not right. on their mind. Yeah. No, I agree. Um I agree. It's, it is still to me um going to be very interesting to see what direction they take post No Time to Die. Yeah. Because it's I mean again, there's no doubt that this is Craig's last. They've been presenting it as Craig's last. Now, it's again, will it be like, I still feel like the direction they're going to go is the traditional full scale, like big presentation. Here's our new James Bond. Here's our new big kind of style and tone. We get a big time director for that first movie. Boom, we're on it. We're on our yeah. way. I think that's the direction we're going to go. We're gonna go. Um, she, uh, by the way, just going back to my previous point, uh, she was seemingly in talks uh, last time reported was in talks to play the villain in Venom 2. 
Oh, that's right. That's, that's right. what it yeah, was. Yeah, was that's like, what I was thinking. Okay, because she was going to be Shriek. Yes. Uh, yeah. The with the, Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or Raggedy Ann. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Uh, I mean, now that you know that's not that that money penny isn't happening now, like it's like, well, no, she's got to get some of that venom money. Yeah, <laughs> Andy Circus got to tell her how to mocap. Yeah, um, but anyway, so okay, so that's that. Um, I do like Naomi Harris, though. Yeah. I, I I do. I, I think dig her. you know. I think you know. It's, it's exciting to see where her career goes from here. Yeah. I just don't think more money penny after this. Is. No. But not. speaking of No Time to Die, speaking of the last Craig, yes, we have officially wrapped up principal photography mm-hmm. on no time to die bond 25 apparently has all the initial footage it needs nobody's died nobody's died craig did get hurt um there was lots of delays i'm still can you imagine like what if he got hurt on purpose like that's part of the production like it's like oh craig come on you got to get hurt like that's part of the you mean it's part like of a, the story there is a wrestling term it's a work yeah exactly jesus <laughs> um that would be pretty. Cra- that would be the crazy. That would be among the craziest IMDb trivia's or the craziest. Ooh. Ooh. Um. So, principal photography's wrap. They put out a uh photo with Carrie Fukunaga and uh Daniel Craig smiling. Here's. I will say this, by the way. Uh, speaking of these social media pictures, every time that Craig takes a mo- take a picture on these movies, uh, he just looks extremely tired. Yeah, I mean, like, look at this. So here's the wrap-up photo I'm showing him. Well, I mean, he's playing Bond, man. Yeah. He's like, it's like, look at this. He's like, he's like in front of a set. Yeah, he doesn't look that bad. I mean, no, he doesn't look like it's not like not drained. as bad as the other one that like he had, where like him and Leia Seydoux looked like they couldn't care less. Yeah. Be, like, well, I mean, but photos. like I think we're learning is like that's just how he is. Yes. Like, I mean, like, that's just what Craig is. Yeah. Um. So we have that, and then also Empire. Uh, released the first image of No Time to Die. Oh, with the promise that it would be a featured movie in their 2020 movie preview issue. Okay. Uh, so I have. It's a very simple image uh, because this again, this is a tease for the Empire issue. I got to get my images up. So basically, this is what we got right here. Okay, I'm looking at. It's uh. No, no surprise here. It's James Bond. Uh, he's got some suspenders on. Um, he almost looks like he's in an iron mill, uh, yeah. ready to do some iron work. Looks like a little bit of beat up, though. You got, you can kind of see yeah. uh, a little bit of kind of bruises. He on looks like he's on one of his James Bond adventures. Yes. Uh, so this was the first uh, image released uh, from Empire, and they said that it will be a big, uh, big part of their issue. They'll do some character reveals, very much like how you know, like last year, you know, Endgame, you know, how oh yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. do all the big reveals and the, the different aspects of the plot and stuff like that that they could tow. So I'm sure very soon we're gonna be getting more news on, you know, more official news on Lashana Lynch mm-hmm. and Rami Malek and. Um, you know what the actual kind of story of this movie is yeah. and i would not be surprised if a trailer drops within the next month yeah i definitely for bond 100% a trailer by the end of the year yeah no doubt about that cuz bond well i mean i think as much as we joked about it at top i think we're pretty we're in a good spot where it is potentially that we could get a bond and a Godzilla versus Kong trailer in November. Yes, I think I would not disagree. Yeah, uh, but that is the only image release other than the poster that came out earlier this month. Not, yes, did you see the poster? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you know what that poster reminds me of? 
It reminds me of like the Blu-ray cover that you can only get at Target. Not even the Blu-ray cover, like the DVD yeah. cover. Like it's a very because if you haven't seen it, it's basically like the No Time to Die logo, which I do like the typeface. I do like the the lettering of No Time to Die. Um, but otherwise, it's just that logo with a picture of James Bond looking off in the distance. It's just like, but listen, I know, and I'm I'm kind of I have my foot in the argument that I think we should try a little bit harder with some of our movie posters. And I know that the whole that there's the joke about that oh movie posters of just the actors' heads is a little bit played out. But it's like, but is the opposite just like a picture of the the guy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, like. And also, like, has have any of these James Bond have a cool movie poster? The Craigs? Yeah. No. Yeah. So it's like, come no, on. No, the, the, the old school, like, the Moore posters are great. Yeah. The Moore posters are, like, those classic um, drawn, painted ones. And I feel like that's sort of the stuff that we need. Mm. No, because, like, really all of them, like, Casino Royale House, they've all basically been that. If you think about those posters, like... Casino Royale is just Bond with the poker chips, and then um, Quantum of Solace is him with the machine gun, and then Skyfall is him shooting the gun, right? And then Spectre is the one in like his like is all sleek black. Yeah, suit. yeah. I mean, well, some of the some of them are like like the poker one, and then like the one the the Skyfall one. I mean, those are kind of cool minimalists in a way. But I mean, I don't know. I I, I kind of would rather a little bit more work mm-hmm. go into them. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, it's cool. Like as you said, it's like we're inching more and more into this movie uh, becoming like realized. I mean, it is being realized, but. Um, and I do think that the Empire thing is definitely – it just strikes me as a movie that's been kind of doing its own thing and then it's, it's going to have a big – because, well, very similar to the last couple Bond uh, like movies. Like it, it has been more of a bigger announcement of here's the official who's in the movie and then here's the ti- – well, we already have the title. But they put a little bit more effort into like this is like what it's going to be. So – Here's my question, though, as we kind of move into, because I just kind of thought of this now. What is the kind of feeling and anticipation for this movie at the end of the day? Like in the general eye? Yeah, because it's one of those things where I don't think we'll know until like a trailer comes out. And yeah. we won't know until a trailer like looks good. Because how did I, – I can't remember off the top of my head. How, how did Spectre do? Spectre did very well – in terms of the basic, like, just under a billion, I believe. If I, off the top of my head, it was around, like, 800 million, right under 900 million. Uh, but it was a distinctly, like, under Skyfall. And that mm-hmm. was, you know, everybody was expecting it to be, like, here's the big thing and Blofeld's back and everything like that. And then it, it performed under Skyfall's reign. I'm just looking forward to seeing what the anticipation for this film. Like, is it one of those things where... The films come out sparse enough that everybody that it's like a decent money maker. Like everybody will go see a Bond yeah. movie because it's like, oh yeah, no Bond. Like I mean, and because there is that level of by the time this comes out, it does. Because you said like how because a Spectre came out in twenty uh, fifteen twenty fifteen. Yes. So I mean, it has been enough time where you can be like, I mean, it's been it'll be at that point five right. years. Yeah, you got to remember too that this movie was scheduled for twenty eighteen, right? And then all the delays in production moved it to twenty twenty, right? So it does kind of have that thing where now it's it been was five 20, years. Yeah, it was twenty eighteen and then twenty nineteen, and then now twenty twenty. Um, I kind of feel that there. See, it's kind of hard to judge, and I think it will be based on the trailer because 
there's a couple things that that intrigue me about how people are going to react to this film because I was listening to a couple of old episodes of ours. Um, just I casually do that sometimes because I'm an ego. It's <laughs> like so vain. Yeah. Uh, I also just enjoy listening to our discussions, have good memories of all those podcasts. Uh, but I was very harsh on like Craig coming back in those early episodes. Like I was very, like, very much against it and I'm still on the mixed of the fence. I think what they've shown and presented so far has made me a little bit more intrigued. Um, and I think within, so here's what I think. I'm still against it. I I think they should have just gone for something. I know. I I still, I still am at the end of the day. I guess how I feel, I'll just get out of the way. I feel like it was a mistake. I feel like we could have had the new bond anticipation. I think that all would have been fine. However, I still, there's a part of me that still feels like, well, if this movie is good, I'll, you know, turn around on it, which hasn't been really a great thing for the Craig era. Now, here's what I'll say. I think it's going to be really hard to judge what a general audience is going to be anticipating this. I think it'll be dependent on how they market it. I think if they market it kind of in that tone of this is the last I was going that was going to be my next question is like do you think that it will be marketed in that yes. way? Yeah. I think there's going to be like Craig's run is ending. I think they're going to be presenting the trailers. It's like all of the stuff from the other movies is going to come together somehow. Like, even if it's not like, oh, like, now Rami Malek is actually blow. It's not going to be like that, but I do feel they're going to be like, it's all come down to this. Yeah. Um, I do feel that there's going to be a lot of push for the Craig stuff in the movie. I think it's going to be one of those things where I think it's going to be hard to distinguish, as it is these days, what film Twitter thinks and what the film online community thinks as opposed to what like a general public thinks. Because right. I think that people are going to give the credit of doing having a Carrie Fuganagua on board. I think if the trailer looks good, that people will get excited for it. I don't know if an audience is really going to want to see another Daniel Craig. Like I don't know how this is going to play out because it has been quite a while because again, we didn't know if Craig was coming back and then he was, and then we didn't have a director because most of the directors from what I understand from the, the scuttlebutt around the internet, of course, and it's all take it with a grain of salt, Mm -hmm. but most of the directors are like, they don't want to do the last Craig. They want to do the next new bond. I mean, Mm -hmm. we know Nolan has that thing, but I heard, you know, there's other rumors that other directors would be interested in doing bond, but when it's a new bond, so I think they'll give credit to the director. I think it'll depend a lot on kind of how the movie's presented tone-wise and stuff like that. Well, it's just like, it, I mean, because like that whole, it depends on if, if the story itself is about the end of Bond, let's say, for quote-unquote, then maybe there could be something where you can organically sell that and then it feels a little bit more like legitimate where – as I feel like, you know, or are they just going to go the level of, you know, this is the end, like, you know, and then that whole thing to kind of entice people. But there's a couple thing feelings I have about that. Like, is it once again a case of this modern Craig era coming one step too late after all the other major franchises and blockbusters with Endgame, it, Chapter 2, Star Wars, like all these movies where that it's yeah. basically sold on, it's coming to a head. And then on top of that, do people care enough about this Craig Bond where the end of it means anything? Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Now, if the story is more of an organic, like, th- that is what legitimately what the movie's about, then maybe you can get people on board on it. But if you're just saying, like, just, oh, by the way, this is the last one, 
like, does that mean anything to people? Because yeah. I don't think people look at Bond as a finite franchise, and this iteration of it has it done enough to even garner like because i get people are probably smart enough to know like well this isn't the last bond movie but this is the last craig bond movie yeah but do people care about craig bond? and the thing is that really it is like uncharted territory for eon and bond because all i mean we've talked about this too before but all the other bonds have left under you know i guess non-committal this is the end circumstances you know like connery left just twice more was kind of a mutual agreement uh, you know, Dalton had the delays. Brosnan, basically, they wanted to move on. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Lazenby also was an idiot um, in, him, in him leaving, too. Um, I shouldn't call him an idiot. He was just... Being, right, yeah, He yeah, was yeah. eccentric in the way he left as well. Yeah. Whereas Craig is very much like, again, and it could have been like that. It could, easily could have been, like, after all the wrist-slitting comments that he made after Spectre, it could have just been, okay, and Craig's done, too. And we could have had the new Bond. And I think that... It's going to be very interesting to see how they present this movie because it is something that's new for them. As well as, again, as I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, them moving, like coming in after all the other stuff has happened. Uh, you know, after the end games and the chapter twos, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not to be like, you know, Bond has always been a kind of response to what's going on. So we'll see. Well, what- I mean, I kind of thought that way because, you know, we had the trailer for. Rise of Skywalker coming out and you know I'm excited for that but there was a little bit like even I had that little bit of like man there's a lot of movies that have been selling on the fact that like it's all this is all what it's been about like it's like so it's just and I just feel like and I'm down for it all but I wonder if like Bond does it come that one step too late of being able to sell a movie on that yeah it really is like there is kind of a hard it's hard to read what people think of the Craig era yeah. as it's going on because I don't think there is one. I don't think that there is a definitive. No, this because is what this bond here's is. the thing: if I, if this movie were coming after Skyfall, if this were like, you know, coming after Skyfall, I feel like this would have been more of a thing. I think the fact that there's Spectre, which definitely has a mixed reception mm-hmm. in terms of critical and in terms of general audiences, where there's kind of people who go back and forth on what they like about it and you know stuff like that where i feel like i don't know again if is that the step too far because if you if you did this type of movie after skyfall and you could really say based on the momentum that you had like the one glitch in quantum but you had casino and skyfall which have kind of reinvented this character and sure we're yeah coming to the end it really is specter is kind of almost the wild card in how people feel about craig and I think it's it's not necessarily that it has kind of like put it off the rails. It's just more of like it definitely it just lessened. It has lessened the momentum. That I yeah, I think that's the of, best way of putting Skyfall, it. And I know like I still enjoy aspects of Skyfall, but we here on the podcast uh, have been very much more down on it in retrospect in, in terms of us there. Um, but you know, at that time that that Bond franchise had all the momentum in the world post fifty. Uh, post the 50th with the big Blu-ray release, you know, kind of in that show where it was like, okay, here's all the Bond movies in one big package. Um, and Skyfall was like a billion dollar movie and had a great villain or like a memorable villain and reintroduced Money Penny and Q, but mostly Money Penny. And 
you know, it had all the cool visuals. It had Sam Mendes. It had all that momentum. And it just feels like Spectre at the end of the day, it's just like, did that momentum, did it deride it too much? I think it definitely, it deterred the momentum at least a little bit. But did it do it too much that they can't build up this movie? I also think it's really going to be telling what we feel after that first trailer. Because yeah. it really is going to depend. Yeah, because we we're talking about it as like you know with information like, like right because yeah, we're just we don't have we're really about we're right on the precipice of getting that big info drop. Mm-hmm. Because think about this too that uh, no time to die is in that beginning of the summer slot. It's in that beginning of April, you know, because the mo- the summer movie season gets earlier every year. But it's in the end game slot. It's in the beginning of April. You know, here's the start of our summer movie season. The big blockbusters are coming your way. And that's going to be part of its presentation. That's like start your summer with James Bond. Like there's going to be part of that aspect there. Especially because another interesting historical fact is that this will be the first Bond movie released in the summer since License to Kill. And the whole reason that they stopped releasing them in the summer was because License to Kill bombed. Mm -hmm. Technically speaking, it did well, but it bombed in relative to other stuff coming out in 89. So they decided we'll take the fall slot and the fall slot was very successful to them. But can bond be that beginning of summer movie? Are people going to come out to the theater and start their summer movie season? Right. Yeah. Are they going to use their AMC a list on (laughs) no time to die? Well, uh, only time will tell. And is, you know, when that trailer drops or when that empire preview drops, whatever comes first will be there. Yes. Maybe not right away. But we'll we definitely in a we'll timely get you, fashion. In a timely fashion, yes, we'll it, we'll get you done. We'll do, get you the info. When that Bond symbol shines in the sky, we do come running. Mm-hmm. So and that's all good. Um, cool. All right. Well, uh, that'll do it for uh, a news update on Bond and Godzilla. Nick, is there anything else that you need to say? Happy Halloween. Yeah. Don't uh, uh you know and don't if it's, if it's not Halloween uh, when you listen to this. Um, which it probably won't be, but if you're like listening, so if you're listening to this in April 2020, when like we really rave about this movie, and you're coming back to kind of talk us out, like oh, like you were so down at it earlier, or if it's the opposite where the movie is terrible and you're coming back to really justify our fears on the movie, yeah. Well, I hope you had a great Halloween 2019, and I hope your Halloween 2020 is even better. And uh, don't uh, eat candy that's been packaged by the person that's giving it to you. Lo- don't eat loose candy is basically the only big thing I could and say. Don't eat candy given to you by Goldfinger. Yeah. Because it's probably laced in gold. Yeah, and it's it's bad for your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Take care. Happy Halloween. And Jaws. Don't you eat eating candy. It always gets stuck in your jaws either. Send us your send us your jaws as cosplays. Do it. That would be a good costume. Yeah. Jaw well, yeah. I mean it's just it's just jaws. Yeah. Yeah. Bye everybody. <laughs>